It is good to be in elevation. How are y'all tonight? Y'all doing good? Well, hey, I, uh, I'm not going to take a lot of time to uh, talk. One, I love your pastors, Justin and Emily. They're awesome. How many of y'all love them? Yeah. Uh, my name is Richard. Uh, I work with middle schoolers all the time, and I love getting to work with middle schoolers. I have a wife, two awesome kids, but uh, man, I, I, I have something I want to share with you tonight, and I know there's some other things planned, and so I hope you came ready to be encouraged. I hope you came ready to hear the Word of God, and hopefully to allow the Holy Spirit to speak through you. That's to you. I've been praying that God would speak through me to y'all. And um, man, y'all's age group is really, really important to me. Like this ministry is very, very important to me because my life was changed as a freshman in college. I was moving in one direction in life and it was through a group of people showing the love of Christ. And I don't have the time to go into that story right now. But, but my life moved in a completely different direction. And so tonight, I, I want to just share with you some things that as I was putting myself back in your shoes, putting myself as a freshman to a senior in college, wherever you may be. And I know right now y'all are in a series called Truth in a world of gray where we're in a, in a world where there is no truth and there's so many lies that are coming at you as an individual. And uh, tonight, I, I don't have this scripture is gonna come up on screen, but I'm gonna, I'm just gonna be honest with you. I'm gonna let a lot of the scripture do the talking instead of me. I would much rather let the word of God speak to you because it's the word of God that has power to change a life. It is the word of God that there is power than that, that he is the, he in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And we need more of God's word in our life and honestly, probably less of other people's information because it's so easy to go to other people and get secondhand knowledge of God versus getting God speaking to us. And I want the scripture to speak to us tonight. And here's one of the biggest temptations and lies uh, that you are going to face as a young person, as a college student, that I face as an adult. And it is this, that you can walk with God in your spare time. One of the biggest lies that you're going to want to, you will give into or you will be challenged to give into or tempted to give into is that you can follow God in your spare time, that Christ can be followed at your convenience. But as I was even preparing today, like studying this afternoon, like there, there's a passage I wanna read to you and I wanna read it to you in the message version because man, Eugene Peterson put it in such an incredible way and it's in Matthew chapter seven. And this is what it says. This is Jesus, he's quoting Jesus. It says this, don't look for shortcuts to God. The market is flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. Don't fall for that, even though crowds of people do. And then listen to this. The way to life, to God, is vigorous and requires total attention. I, w I wish I could tell you that, man, there's a shortcut to God. There's shortcuts in everything else within our culture. It's quick, quick fixes, quick ways. And you, I, there are plenty of pastors and preachers and spiritual leaders, whoever you wanna follow, that will try to sell you that. But I'm just gonna tell you, I cannot read this book and share that lie. 
The road to following Jesus is a vigorous road. It is a narrow road. And you and I are invited on the journey to follow. And I promise you, if you're being sold and wanna buy into the, I can follow Jesus into my spare time. Man, that's the lie I bought into as a high school student and even into my freshman year a little bit. And that's where in the midst of it, when life came at me, when, when things started to get hard, that's where I then started to say, I'm done with this. When you follow Jesus in your spare time or at your convenience or wanna walk with him, think that's fine. Man, when life hits you, things will crumble. Why do I know that? Because let's keep reading in Matthew. I'm gonna skip down a few more verses, but then this is what it says. Listen to what Jesus says. These words I speak to you. And this is Jesus teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, these words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life. Hey, these aren't just cute add-ons. These aren't cute pithy statements. These aren't, hey, consider it if you're having a rough day. He's like, no, 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 Jesus is telling them, these are words of life, words to build your life on. Not like, hey, add-ons, but he says, these aren't additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. No, 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 no. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who has built his house on a solid rock. The rain poured and the rivers flooded and the tornado hit, but nothing moved that house because it was fixed to the rock. Jesus' words, this word is what you and I, if we are gonna follow Jesus, we must build our life on. And if I'm gonna be honest with you and a lot of my observations with friends, working with young people and just being in the church world, very few people actually wanna build their life on this. Very few people want to take the time to make this a practice of their life of working Jesus's teachings into their life to shape and form them into the image of his son, Jesus. But most of the time, you and I are tempted to take secondhand knowledge of God's information from somebody else and wanting to, to maybe I can add that in and add this here. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. I'm wanting not to just do uh, an add on to you. I am wanting to take who you are and transform you into the image of my son, as it says in Romans chapter eight. Because life is going to hit you. You can't look at the last year and a half that we've looked at and not had your faith a little rattled. And let me just tell you, if you haven't took his words and put them into practice, there's gonna be some crumbling. It, you can't go through the hardships of life that you will face and if these are just add-on words, you're gonna find out what is he going to say. If you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you are like a stupid carpenter who built his house on a sandy beach. When the storms rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. And my prayer for you and my heart for you is that you would not 
just take these as, man, I get to come to Elevation and I hear a, a good sermon every once in a while, or I get to go to my life group and man, I'm gonna talk about this. But you and I, as it says in the NIV or, or in other translations, it says, but anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, Practice is something that you do over a long period of time. So often we short circuit or get so discouraged because we, we do God's word one time. Oh, it didn't work out. It doesn't work for me. And it's no, 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 no. No athlete, no nobody on this planet that has ever like done something, tried it their very first time and aced it. But no, it's working God's word into our life, putting it into practice then letting the Holy Spirit work that in us to mature us into what God is making us so that we can be mature and walk in this life that he has called us to live following him one step at a time. And so one of the lies that I beg you to confront in your life that this world wants to tell you is that you can follow him in your spare time and that his words can just be, oh, when I like it, I'm going to put it in on as an add-on. I'll put it in my pocket. No, 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 my friends. Jesus Christ and his word and the Holy Scriptures are words to build our life upon. And it's the people that build their life upon the word of God and put it into practice. They're not the ones who everything is fluffy bunnies and unicorns for them all their life. But they're the ones when the real heavy things hit are the ones who stand, who continue on, are the ones that God uses as a place, as a safe haven for hope for other people, as someone who can speak into other people's lives, provide hope and encouragement, and ultimately point them to the one. How did you build your life? How are you so strong? No, 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 no. They're the ones who can point to say, that's the carpenter who actually built my life. And let me point you to him. So lie number one, is a lie. You can't follow him in, in your spare time. The life to him is an invitation to follow me. And I wanna encourage you, he's worth following. As it says in the Chronicles of Narnia, when it's talking about Absalom, and, and like he says, he, is he safe? No, he is not safe, but he is good. And you can know that God is good, that he is for you, and he can be trusted. The next lie, that you're gonna have to confront and face is this. And this is for some of us who grew up maybe in church and, are, um, and we love reading God's word and all this, but, but this is something that I've had to really look into my own life and, and confront a lot is, is that um, right theology doesn't always equate into right living. Listen to me on that for a second and I'll let me flesh it out. We need to know the word of God Knowing the word of God and having a right understanding of his truth is so, so important for you and me. If you read all through the New Testament writings, especially in the writings of Paul, and in Romans especially, it is, it is one of the richest, deepest books of the understanding of the gospel. He lays it out. And I'm so thankful for the book of Romans. But guess what? The first half of Romans is rich, deep theology of understanding the gospel and who Jesus is and all of that. But it, the, but it doesn't stop in chapter 11. The second half of the book is not about, it is then how do we live it out? You see, it's right theology 
practiced in our living equals righteous living. You see, we have to put it into practice because there are plenty of people who know the right answers, who know all the right stuff. Yes, I mean, you can look throughout Scripture, the Pharisees, all these people knew right answers, but it never transferred into living it out and letting it convict their heart and transform them into living it out. And you're in this culture right now, you have the, like these two wars. Some people is like, man, theology, 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 but they don't live it out. And then you have other people like, oh, theology and God's word and that stuff doesn't really matter. And we're just supposed to do this. And you're like, no, both of those are wrong. It's both. It's not one or the other. It's both. I need the truth of God's word in my life. I need it to lead and guide me. It is the foundation. But also, too, I need to live it out because it's, that's where the power is. Listen to what it says in Romans. And this is coming after the first 11 verses, which is just rich, deep understanding of the gospel. Paul's laying it out. And he says this, therefore, in view of God's mercy, or I'm going to read it in the message because I love what he says in the, the first half of it. He says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around and place it before God as an offering. God, here, here is me. Like because of what I know about you, because of what you've done, here I am, all of me. I lay it out before you, every bit of me. Place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down into its maturity level, God brings out the best of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Because of the good news of the gospel of what Jesus Christ has done for you and me, you and I, and because of his great mercy, we have the invitation to lay our lives before him and let him change the way we think, change the way that we live, and it is an offering to him. And no longer are we conforming to the patterns of the world that is around us, but we're transformed into the image of his son, him working through us. And what does that look like? What does that look like? How do, how do we live that out as followers of Jesus? Here, let's let the word of God tell us. And here's what it says in Romans. Go on down in verse nine. And this is in the NIV. Here's what he says. Love must be sincere. Man, if we're gonna be followers of Jesus, who not only have the right understanding of God's word, but live it well, man, we've gotta have sincere love. Sincere love that's genuine towards other people. That's not just love with our words, but love in action, even in the hard times. Hate what is evil. There is evil in this world. There is evil in our culture. And we're called to hate what is evil and cling to what is good. 
We're not supposed to pick political sides and only look at some evil on one side, but overlook it on the other because we have loyalty to political parties, whether on the right or the left. No, no, no. We're supposed to be followers of Jesus and not follow the patterns of the world. We hate what is evil and we cling to what is good. We're called to be devoted to one another in love. And that's something that's not in our culture right now. And it's gonna be one of the things that sets us apart as his disciples and people are gonna know that we are followers of Christ by the way that we love and are devoted to one another. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal. Keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Meaning this, it's okay to be excited about following Jesus. We want to like push that down oftentimes, but there, I guarantee you, look, hey, I'm just going to be honest. I'm not a big football fan. Some of y'all look like fools last night celebrating the Razorbacks and winning, and I'm all excited about that. But don't tell me that you can't get excited about the Lord, but you can get excited about like some guys beating Texas, you know. You know, I, I'll put them down all day. I'm happy about that, but, but may we have just as much excitement for the Lord as we do for anything else. Don't be lazy in zeal or lacking in it. Keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Do you know what can kill spiritual fervor for the Lord when, or, or your spiritual zeal sometimes is when you're actually not doing it to serve the Lord, but you're doing it to serve yourself. When you're making it about you, no one recognized me, no one saw me. Hey, doesn't the Lord recognize you? Who are you serving? Because when our focus is serving the Lord, guess what? Man, our passion is, man, all I, didn't we just sing it? All I want is you, right? My one thing. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who curse you. Bless, do not curse. I, get, I understand why I had to write that again because that one I need another reminder every once in a while. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. And that's what it looks like living it well, is being able to rejoice with people, but also being able to mourn with people. There's things to mourn with. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but willing to associate with people of low position. It is so easy to be to fall into the temptation of even cliques within the church. To want to group up with people based off how they dress, how much money they have, what they look like. That is an insecurity driven that doesn't understand the gospel, that we are accepted by him. That we're looking down, comparing, do I want, am I, I'm like, like testing it out, do I want to be around them? But when we fix our eyes on him, looking to God, there's that recognition that the ground is level at the cross. Man, may we be people who are marked by that, living it well. Be careful what to do what, hold on, sorry, I got lost. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge. Dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, 
feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. I'll be honest with you, I don't fully understand what all that means right there. Just telling you the truth. I'm not gonna act like I'm somebody I'm not. I'm still trying to learn that. But I I assure it's something that's saying it's gonna shock them or surprise them. It will humble them. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Here's what I wanna tell you. I didn't have time tonight to walk through you all those things in detail. And here's what I would encourage you. Tonight, when you go home, tomorrow morning where you wake up, maybe take some time to read through that list again. There's 17 things, and that's not an exhaustive list, but I wanna tell you, that's living out the good news of a transformed life in Christ Jesus. That is living it out. And where do you and I measure up to that? I don't know, but here's what I wanna do is I'm getting ready to close. I'm recently reading through the Old Testament and there is a character in the Old Testament that I think is one of the most overlooked individuals in all of the Bible. And as I was studying for this, I was almost like very moved when I've read this story because I'm still not there. I'll just be honest with you, I'm not. And in that last section, and I think it's most important in our current state of the world right now, with such hostility, with such offense, there is nothing but evil for evil is what is going on in seeking things to make things right. But with you and me as followers of Jesus, we have an opportunity to overcome evil with good, with displaying the love of Christ in our lives. And here's what I'm gonna tell you though. It is really easy to talk about it, but living it out is gonna be one of the most difficult things you ever do. But just because it's difficult doesn't mean it's not worth it because it also has the ability to be the most, one of the most transforming things in your life and in the life of somebody else. I wish I had time to tell you a little bit more of my story, but my story of where I came to turn and follow Jesus was because I saw a group of people choose to overcome evil with good, to chose to live out those 17 things basically in a moment to a person who didn't deserve it at all. And I'm standing here today because of it. And in the book of 2 Kings, it's gonna come up on the screen. It's the story of Naaman. Have anybody ever heard of Naaman before? He was this Assyrian or Assyrian ruler, um, valiant warrior, like man, measured up of all success and worldly standards. And here's what it says. It says, now Naaman was the commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master, highly regarded because through him, the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but... He had leprosy. Leprosy was a bad disease back then. Ultimately, it meant he was about to deteriorate. It didn't matter how much success. He was a man of success and wealth, power, every accomplishment, but he had leprosy. And he was deteriorating. And there's nothing he could do. Now listen to this, this next part. This is why you can't read the Bible fast 
and you can't just skim through it to check it off a box. you got to read it slow because there's so many things that the Lord wants to teach us through things. And my heart for you is to know his word and let it transform you. Because listen to what it says next. That's why you got to think about the word of God. It says, now a band of raiders from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel. And she served Naaman's wife. Think about this for a second. We do not know what life back then was like and how brutal it was. But there were a group of raiders. They would go through a town, just pillage through it. They would murder. They would rape. They would destroy. They would take captive. I mean, it was ruthless. And here this young girl her town and family had been raided, and she was from Israel, the people of God. She would have grown up hearing the word of God. She would have grown up being told about the things of God. She would have had great head knowledge about who he was. But not only that, at best, she was ripped from her family and they were all sold off. At worst, I don't, we don't know. It doesn't tell us. But at worst, if we go off history and stories of history, she was probably raped. She probably saw people in her family killed. And it was bad. And now she has been brought to this foreign land and made a slave to these people. God, where are you? Man, if you just have head knowledge of God right there, you're done for. Man, middle finger to the sky. You're done with it. And I'm telling you, if you just have a head knowledge of who he is, if you just want to walk with him in his spare time, when life hits you in the face, I'm done. I'm walking away. But listen to what the scripture says next. This has been wrecking me. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman, a man far from God who didn't know God, who had a disease he couldn't cure. And this young girl had the answer. And if her love for God, her information about God was only here but not lived out. Do you know what she would do? She would be cynical and bitter and say, I have got the answer for your healing, but I'm going to keep my mouth shut and watch you suffer. Wake up each day. Ha! A finger fell off today. You deserve it. I can't wait for more. I'm going to return evil for evil. You did this to me? All right, I'm going to show you. But that is not what this young girl did. She knew the hope and the answer. And at the cost of forgiveness and at the cost of a great sacrifice and pain she'd walked through, she chose to put our hope and her theology into practice and show the love of God to a man who was far from God and a man eventually, I don't have time to go on the rest of the story, but he was healed. And not only was he healed, he came back a man who was no longer bowing to the gods of his land, 
but a man who knew the one true God and worshiped him all the days of his life. May we be a group of people who don't just sing about him, who don't just learn facts about him, but who follow him and build our life on the word of God. And when the storms and the trials and the hardships of life, they may shake us, but they don't destroy us because we have a hope in the ultimate one who had every right, who had the answer for our sin problem and said, ha, you sinned against me and enjoy eternal torment. But no, 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 no. That's not what he did. God became a man and dwelt among us. He who knew no sin became sin so that you and I might become the righteousness of God. And it was a high price. Grace is free for you and me, but it came, forgiveness came at a high price for Jesus. That was grace and forgiveness that came to Naaman but it came at a high price for that young girl. But there was a hope and a future and a God to cling to that was bigger than that. And we know that he's working. And so I wanna encourage you, where are you today? Do you know the high price that Jesus paid for you? Because guess what? What will change the way that you live your life and the direction you live is really based off recognizing what he did for you and me. Because if you go back to Romans, Paul said, doesn't say, offer your body as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable God. This is your spiritual act of worship. No, do you know what he says? He leads off with this. In view of God's mercy. Look to the cross. Look what he did for you. Look at his great love. Look what he gave. And in response to that, now offer yourself. Peter says that if we've stopped growing in our faith, it's not because we're terrible, it's not because of this. He says it's this one thing in First Peter or Second Peter chapter one. He says, if you've stopped growing, you become nearsighted and blind. Why? You have forgotten that you have been cleansed from your past sins. Friends, this one that we follow is not one to be followed in our spare time. He gave and paid the highest price so that you and I could be made right with him and in that be transformed into his image and then live out the good news of the gospel to a sinful and hopeless world that we have the answer and heaven forbid we become cynical, jaded or withhold 